0: Us. I know we said this before, but there's going to be a time hopefully when sports will be able to resume again. We used this analogy before, but let's say that you dvr your your big game because you weren't home to catch it. From the time of you But now what it has done is it allowed you to watch the game worry-free. It doesn't matter if your team fumbles the ball or your quarterback throws five interceptions or you're down by three touchdowns at half. It doesn't matter why, because you know at the end what the score is. You know at the end that you win. Well, in the same way, that's what this song means. That's what it means to say victory belongs to Jesus, and therefore victory belongs to us because he has won our victory. He has but we don't have to wait until the battle is over, as it's been said before. We can shout right now. We can shout shout right now, knowing and believing that in the end we win. So it does not matter what the game looks like right now. It does not matter what you're going through and you're experiencing and the lack that you have or whatever it is. You know at the end you win. So we don't fight for victory. We fight from it, from the knowledge and the truth that Jesus Christ has already won. We're just going to play this thing out, <laughs> but at the end, we know we win. Amen? Praise God one more time, if you will, please. So I'm going to ask my wife, if she would, just pray for us. We're going to pray for all of your needs, spoken or unspoken, known or unknown. We know that God knows your needs. We're going to pray and give thanks to the sacrifice that the men and women of this nation made for us. We're going to pray over the offering that God will in. Good work, and then we're going to pray. Lastly, for the Word of God that He is going to share with us today. Amen. Just close in with God. Thank you so much, Ms. Monty. Wasn't the band awesome today? They took it to a whole other level today. I didn't know if we were ready for those those songs, but God showed up and came through. So thank you, team, for all of that. Well, um, if you were here last Wednesday or you tuned in, you heard me saying that even though it's been said that there's always a baby boom that uh, follows a crisis, many are predicting not a baby boom from this pandemic. They are predicting a divorce boom. They are predicting that many couples, many uh, homes will be broken and divided as a result of what this pandemic has brought about. There are many couples who have discovered they really don't like their spouses. <laughs> and All the times now that they had to be home with each other and put up with each other and endure with one another, they discovered, I really don't like this person I'm living with. So they're saying that that comes out of this, it may in fact be a divorce room. But there's a particular thing that I want people to know and understand according to God's word. I was on a pastor's panel a couple of Fridays ago, and this is one of the questions that came through. That says, I have discovered through this pandemic that uh, I am not getting along with my spouse. You're not getting along at all, and I'm not sure even if we can recover from this even if God were to lift this pandemic today. And so I know this is not just in some homes, but in many homes, a lot of homes, where you are struggling in your marriage, you are struggling, and all this pandemic has done, it has simply revealed what is already there. The pandemic didn't cause it, the pandemic just revealed it. (laughs) It revealed it exponentially, the problems or or the um, so there's a particular characteristic of God. There's a particular aspect of God that God wants us to know and understand about Him, as well as what He has commanded about us as well, that we're going to talk about today as we get into our very first minor process. Before we get there, though, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 2, this is where we're going to find the characteristic, the Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 11, it says this, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, speaking of Jesus Christ, if we died with him, we shall also shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. This is kind of like the yin and yang of scripture, okay? The inverse relationship between particular principles of the kingdom of God. God says, if you're willing to die, then you shall live. If you're willing to remain, you will reign. If you deny me, I will deny you. And so there's this inverse relationship between the principles and the kingdom of God that God wants us to be aware of. We see this pattern of inverse relationship between these two things. That is until you get to verse 13. When you get to verse 13, all of a sudden the pattern changes. All of a sudden the script is Because in verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, then God will be faithless. Is that what your Bible says? (laughs) That's what you would think the next verse would be. If it's following the pattern here of inverse relationship between two things, just like God said, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And so if we are faithless to him, then he will be faithless to us. That's what we would think it would say, (laughs) but it doesn't say that. It says, if we are faithless to him, he remains faithful
1: to us.
0: Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. He cannot deny his own nature, his own character, his own DNA. He cannot. Therefore, even if and when we are faithless, the Bible says he remains faithful. So you cannot find a scripture where Jesus is talking about him being faithless. You won't find that scripture. You will find a scripture where Jesus is saying, if you're willing to lose your life, you will find life. We can find that scripture. We can find the scripture which says, if you are willing to endure and contribute, because you've been faithful in little, you will be faithful in much, so have authority in my kingdom. We can find that scripture. We can find the scripture here where God says, If you deny me before men, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. We can find that scripture. But you cannot find But what you find in the Bible, throughout the Bible, from Genesis even to Revelation, is God remaining faithful to the faithless. In other words, we don't dictate to God who God is going to be and how God is going to act. We don't change the heart of God. Whether you worship him or not, whether you serve him or not, whether you want him or not, that doesn't change God one eye only. You cannot add anything to God. You cannot take anything away from God. God is who he is, and he will always be that. God is by nature. God is faithful. He is faithful even to the faithless. so this is the backdrop of our very first minor prophet. This is the backdrop that I want you to get into your mind, get into your spirit, as the backdrop of our very first minor prophet that we're going to study and talk about today, the major proponent of this particular prophet, and this would be, of course, the prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea, so in our new series, Major on the Minors, this is part two, we're going to study the book of Hosea. Now remember when we first got into prophets and prophecy, we told you that prophets of God were not only orators; they were also illustrators. Right? Prophets of God—they were not only orators; they were also illustrators. Like we uh, described it, like being that that children's toy, see and say. Right? <laughs> see and say. Not only is it particular animal or the picture so you can see it, it's also going to say it. In the same way, that's what the prophets of God were called to do. They were were called to not only say, but also see. In other words, they were not only to shout it out, they were to act it out. (laughs) Whatever the word was from God to his people, the prophet of God was not only to shout it out, they were also to act it out. (laughs) So this was charades (laughs) Okay. <laughs> they were to give the word of God, the prophet of God, to the people of God, but they weren't just to say it. They were to act it out, and you will see this in the lives of so many different prophets of God. For example, the Bible talks about in Isaiah how he walked around for three and a half years naked. <laughs> Not only was he preaching and proclaiming a message from God, but he was different the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, he was the one, God said, I want you to lay on your left side for over a year, (laughs) then turn around and lay on your right side for 40 days. I want you to cook your food with human waste. These are all signs of the prophecy or the message I'm going to give my people. So I don't only want you to say it, I want you to get them to see it. So this is charades on steroids where these prophets of just as strange. (laughs) Hosea's uh, prophecy that God is going to give his people or word that he's going to give his people or uh, this charade that he's going to perform before his people is just as strange but even goes to a deeper level. Hosea is going to pull the card. He's going to say, God, are are you kidding me? (laughs) You you want me to act you want me to do this? Are you kidding me? This is what you've given me. Yes, this is this is the, the category, okay? The category is, it's a phrase. <laughs> it is an action. It's four words, the first word being faithful, the last word being faithful. This is what I want you to be. And so the question that Hosea, I'm sure, has at this time is, how am I going to act? has given me a word that he is faithful to the faithless. God is faithful to the faithless. God is God, no matter what the people of God are doing, he remains the same. He is faithful to the faithless. That is the word of God that God wants to give to his people, but not only so they can hear, they can also see it. So how is Hosea Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2, we're going to see exactly how Hosea is going to act out how God is faithful to the faithful. It says in Hosea 1, 2, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go. of Harlotry for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord So he went Hosea he went and took Gomer the daughter of Debriam and she conceived and bore him a son God tells Hosea this is the word from the Lord I am faithful to the faithful this is the word from the Lord I want you to give to my people. I don't want you to only say it. I want you to act it out. I want you to demonstrate. I want you to show them this word. So I want you to go find a harlot. Go find a prostitute. You know, they say uh, prostitution is the oldest profession
1: known to man.
0: Prostitution is the oldest profession known to man. And there's a reason for that. Because way back then, way back when, women didn't have the right. There wasn't a whole lot you could do back then. So women at that time, you were taken care of. You were provided by one of two men. Either your father or your husband. Okay? That is how you were provided for. That's, that's how you were taken care of. It was only that. There was no independent woman. Okay? There, was no, I, there was no, I am woman, hear me war. None of you were provided for and taken care of by your father, or you were provided for and taken care of by your husband. So if you didn't have a father and you didn't have a husband, there wasn't a whole lot of options for you. Wasn't much that you could do then. And so thus, this became the oldest profession known to men. And God says, I want you to go find one of those women. I want you to go find. For herself, I want you to go find one of them. Now, I would imagine everyone in here, as you were young and you were growing up, and you thought about and you imagined being married, right? You imagine being married. You imagine your wedding day. You imagine the dress that you were going to have. You you imagine your your reception and your honey, honeymoon. You even imagine the type of person you were going to marry. Right? I mean, they were going to be good-looking and attractive. They were going to have an education. They're going to have a good job. They're going to treat me well. All kinds of things I'm sure you thought of when you imagined your marriage. And I would also venture to say perhaps prostitution wasn't on the list. (laughs) I would venture to say there's nobody in here where you have. We don't even want to marry someone who is uh, overly provocative or promiscuous in their sexuality. You know? We don't even want to marry somebody like that. It's interesting, men want to marry virgins, but they don't want to be one themselves. But right? <laughs> well, where are you going to find them then? You want to get, what well, you're not willing to give, right? But that's who we are. We don't want to even want anybody who's overly promiscuous. <laughs> and according to Chris Rock, May be just two. <laughs> two may be too many. <laughs> two, 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 two. That's my Chris Rock impersonation. Two? <laughs> oh, I guess that's how you're raised. <laughs> we don't want anybody who is promiscuous, let alone a prostitute. Let alone a harlot, let alone But yet, God tells Hosea, that's exactly who I want you to marry. I want you to go find a promiscuous woman. Why? Why would God tell Hosea the prophet that I am faithful to the faithless? And I don't even want you to say it. I want you to demonstrate it. (laughs) So I want you to go. because God's people have become promiscuous. That's right. The people of God themselves have become promiscuous. The Bible calls it idolatry. And idolatry, simply put, is spiritual adultery. That's what idolatry is, spiritual adultery. The people of God have left the living To worship idols, (laughs) to worship gods made with hands, to worship gods of stone, to worship gods of wood, to worship these gods who have mouths but cannot speak, who have eyes but cannot see, who have ears but cannot hear, who have hands but cannot say. They left the living God to worship these false gods. They became promiscuous. They became spiritual adulterers. In other words, they became cheaters. They were cheating on God. (laughs) They were playing the harlot and the prostitute on God. It became their story. Do you realize this was the very first commandment given in God's law? In the Ten Commandments, God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me, after me, besides me, in place of me. No other gods. (laughs) This was the very first command of God, that I am the Lord your God and you shall have no other. And even when Moses is on the mountain and he is receiving these commandments, they are down there on the uh, the bottom of the mountain breaking commandment number one. (laughs) They go to Aaron and say, Aaron, make us a God. Here, here's our jewelry, here are our rings, here are bracelets, go ahead and make us a God. And they begin to worship this golden calf. They were That's why when Moses comes down from the mountain, he breaks these because they are breaking literally commandment number one. You shall have no other God before the Lord. But this is exactly what the people began to do. God brought them into a good land, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they began to practice the ways and the customs of all the began to worship the gods of the pagan people and, and practice their ways they began to do that, they became promiscuous in their spirituality they cheated on God, they left God, they forsook God to worship other gods and so God says I want you to let them know that I am still faithful even to the faithless, I don't want you to just tell them, I want you to demonstrate it, I want you to show them so Hosea Be good to her, regardless of her name. Even though my, my wife has done this, even though she has played the role of a harlot and a prostitute and become promiscuous, yet I still love her. And I still want to be good to her in spite of her, regardless of her. There was a woman, a Christian woman, she goes around the circuit giving her testimony, but she used to be in the porn industry. And she would say in her testimony, being in the porn industry, she never thought that she would ever get married. Never thought that she'd ever have a good man. After all, who would want her? Who would want these damaged goods? Who would want this person who's literally given herself to hundreds of men on camera? And she never thought she would find anybody, but lo and behold, a man of God comes and wants to marry her. <laughs> she gets saved, she gets married her testimony everywhere she can about the goodness of God, how she was uh, in her mind, in her eyes nothing, and she was filth, and she was trash, and she was no good, and she thought nobody would ever want her, and all of a sudden this godly man comes and says, I'll marry you I'll love you I'll be good to you and he rescues and redeems her from that lifestyle, and she gets saved, and she gives her life to Christ, and now she goes, and she tries to help other ladies This is the picture that I get with Hosea. This is the picture that I get of what is going on here. That God wants His people to know. Just like my people have become promiscuous, I still love her. I still want her. So I want you to go demonstrate that. Go marry. A oh, but God is not there. <laughs> if you thought that was. chapter
1: 3.
0: Go with me to chapter 3. In chapter 3 of verse 1, it says this. and is committing adultery. Why? Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raging cakes of the pagans. Now this is the same woman. So this is what has taken place. Hosea has gone to the streets of prostitution. He has found a the night, a harlot named Gomer. He has taken her out of that industry, off of the streets. He has brought her into his home. He has married her. He has loved her. He has borne children with her. He has been good to her, only for her to decide to leave him. After all of that, she then decides, I'm going to leave Hosea. I'm going to leave my home, and I'm going to go You would think God would say, "Okay, well, you tried, Hosea. <laughs> okay, you, you gave a valid effort. Can't save everybody. You tried. You would think that's what God was wrong. God says, Hosea, go get her. <laughs> Hosea, <laughs> go get her." And now you're telling me to go get her? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) Why? Because in the same way, in the same way, my people, they were pagan people. They didn't know me. When God came to Abram at the time, he wasn't a Christian. (laughs) He didn't know God, believe in God. his children and his offspring are brought into the kingdom and the family of God. But then, no matter how good God has been to them, they still decide to cheat on him. They still decide to walk out on him and begin to be promiscuous with other gods. But yet, God says, just like I am willing to go and get them, I want you to show that. I want you to demonstrate that by going back to the streets, going back Verse 2, it says, so I bought her. Please, don't read over that too, fast. It says, so I bought her. He is buying his own wife. He is buying the one who belongs to him. It says, so I bought her. Why does he have to buy her? Because the Bible says you were bought for the price. You don't belong to you, the Bible says, for you were purchased at a price. You were purchased, you were bought with the shed blood all the time the salvation is free. Salvation is free? No way. Salvation is not free. Salvation is free to you. Salvation is free to you. Salvation is free to you. Salvation is free to me, but salvation is not free. Salvation cost Jesus everything. It cost him his very life. Salvation is not free. Salvation is just free to us. So in the same way, And one and one half homers of barley. And he said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not... pursuing me and wanting to love me this way why are you i mean i've I've cheated on you i've walked out on you i've given myself my body to other men but yet you're here you're here you still want me you're here you still love me you're here you still want to take me back home why are you doing this why are you loving me this way the purpose of marriage? You get many answers. One answer you may get is this. The purpose of marriage is cohabitation. Cohabitation because God doesn't want us to be alone, and so he wants us to have companionship and fellowship, and so the purpose of marriage is for cohabitation. Well, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. Why? Because there are a lot of people who are cohabitating, and they're not married. be alone. You can join a club and won't be lonely. you can get a dog if you want a friend. (laughs) So that's part of it, but that's not all of it. And then some, if they don't say the purpose of marriage is for cohabitation, they will say it is for procreation. Procreation because God wants us to be fruitful and he wants us to multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it. And so the purpose of marriage is for procreation. Well, that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. Why? Well, because, as we see, there are many people who are procreating, and they are not married, right? They forgot that nursery rhyme where first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby, in the baby care. They, they forgot that nursery rhyme. So there's a lot of people out there who are procreating, and they are not married. So that's a part of it, but that's but the majority of people will say for jubilation. Jubilation. To make me happy. The purpose of marriage is so that I can be happy. And that's why so many people will leave a marriage when they cease from being happy. Because they think that's the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is is for me to be happy and because I'm no longer happy then I no longer need the marriage let me go elsewhere and let me find some happiness because the purpose of marriage is to be listened to a radio show this past week, and the host of the radio show, she was talking about this, and she was saying, you know what, I just don't think, I just don't believe that God will hold us accountable to us keeping our vows, just because we got married in church and before a pastor, and we said our vows, I just don't believe he would want us to stick to that if it wasn't in his will, if this marriage wasn't in his wasn't in his will. Well, because I'm not happy. I mean, that's obvious, right? It's not his will because I'm not happy. And after all, oh, God wants me to be happy, does So if I'm in a marriage and I'm not happy, obviously he doesn't want me to be in this marriage because he wants me to be married. So he doesn't want me to keep my vow. He doesn't want me to keep the covenants I made. He's okay with me leaving and forsaking that. Why? Because it's all about happiness. not about happiness that is not the purpose of marriage the purpose of marriage is to fulfill the purpose of God okay you say it again the purpose of marriage is having the ability now to fulfill the purposes of God whatever that purpose is purpose is so yes involves cohabitation. It involves God bringing two people together to do together what they never could do by themselves. I am so glad Cynthia came into my life. I'm so glad God brought me a woman who helps me to do what we are able to do together because apart, we couldn't do this. Apart, we couldn't pull this off. We couldn't do what God has called us to do. So God says, I'm going to bring two people together to fulfill my purpose that they could never do by themselves. So it includes cohabitation, but it is not for cohabitation. It includes procreation. God says, while the rest of the world is aborting their children, I'm going to be filling the world with my children. I want a godly generation. I want a godly offspring. I want you to bring people into this world, that they may be light in the places of darkness of this world. So yes, I want you to procreate, but that's not I want you to have joy in your marriage. I want you to enjoy your marriage rather than enduring your marriage. But that's not the purpose of marriage. It is not about
1: happiness.
0: So the main purpose, hear me, first, The main purpose for marriage is not cohabitation. It is not procreation. It is not jubilation. It is illustration. The main purpose for marriage is not cohabitation, it is not procreation, it is not jubilation. It is for illustration, illustration to simply illustrate to the world God's relationship with us. That is what marriage is for. This is why He tells Hosea to. God did. God took a wife of him. a wife who was unrighteous, a wife, a wife who didn't know Him, a wife who was worshiping and serving all kinds of gods. So God says, "I want you to do what I did." This is why He tells him to go back and get her and love her again. Why? Because that's what God is willing to do for us. God is willing to do that for us. If we return to him, he will return to us. He will restore us. He will forgive us of our sins. He is willing to do that. So God tells Hosea, I want you to do to her what I am willing to do. to conduct your marriage just like I conduct my marriage. So just like the church is subject to me, just like the church follows my lead, just like the church follows my direction, wives, I want you too to submit to your husbands as head of the home. Conduct your marriage like I conduct mine. That's why he tells husbands says no husband I want you to love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Are you loving her that way? <laughs> Are you loving your bride Love your wife just like Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He loved her when she was unlovable. There's a lot of men out there that say, well, you don't know my wife. You don't know the woman I live with. If you knew her and you knew my situation, you wouldn't be saying that. No, God loved us, the Bible says. God demonstrated his love toward us in while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. <laughs> while we were unlovable, the Bible says. him. He loved us. He demonstrated his love by dying for us. So you can't even love your wife like Christ loves the church until she is unlovable. So if you have a perfect wife, you have a wife that never gets on your nerves and never irritates you and never frustrates you and never comes against you, guess what? You never have opportunity to love her like Christ loves the church. Why? Because the church definitely is not perfect. God's people have sinned, God's people have fallen, God's people have come short of the glory of God, but yet he still loves us. So when your wife isn't all that you want her to be, great opportunity to love her like life and this life only. I don't want to burst anybody bubbling here and, or, or preconceived note, uh, notion, notions or whatever, but you will not still be married in heaven. Right? You will not still be married in heaven. Right? I don't care what the Mormon's telling you, that right? you will not be married in heaven. They came to Jesus one day said this woman she married five brothers whose wife will should be, God said, neither. None of them. Why? For we will be like the angels in heaven. We will neither marry nor be given in marriage in heaven. There's only one marriage in heaven, and that is between Christ, the bridegroom, and his church, the bride. That is the only marriage that is in heaven. So because there is no marriage in heaven, that means that the purpose of marriage would have been God's like I want you to remain faithful to me. And I want you to remain faithful to your spouse just like you want your spouse to remain faithful to you. And I want you to remain faithful to your spouse just like I am willing to remain faithful to you regardless of Divorce, because again, it gives a false representation of his relationship with us. God. You want God enough to get them to the Promised Land, therefore you have to kill them. So, for your own name, sake, God. You can't do that. What did God say? Get out of here, Moses! You don't know what you're talking about. I'm God. No, He says, "And the Lord, the Lord." Now, in, in reality, God always knew Moses would intervene for His people. Okay, God knows all things. God simply just allowed. we close in prayer and let you go, we want to give you an opportunity now to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. How can we neglect so great a salvation, the Bible says? We could hear that even when we are faithless, God is willing to be faithful to us. He's willing to love us. He's willing to be good to us. He's willing to bring us into the kingdom and give us our fairy tale. give us our happily ever after. Ever reject and say no thankful. The that you hear my voice, the Bible says, harden not your heart. Don't say that's not for you. Or that's for another time. and strongholds and habits. You come to me just like you are. And I will receive you. And I, let me do the work. Let me do the healing. Let me do the breaking. Let me do the cleansing. If you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't need me. So don't try to do all that yourself. And then come to me so that you can be quote-unquote worthy. You're never worthy. You're never worthy. You need to let me. you have received my son and the shed blood on the cross of Christ. So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, or really saved, you've never turned from your sin in the direction that you're in. Do that today while you're still here. Amen. If you're here today, you are already a child of God and praise God for that. Know and understand the love that God has for us. It is like no other love. God doesn't love us like we do. We love those who love us back. We love those who are deserving of our love. We love those who are are good to us and and like us and never do anything wrong to us. And so we think, well, that's how God is with his love. So I have to be careful because if I do something, he's not going to love me anymore. God can't love you any more than he already does right now. And God will never love you any less than he does right now. Because his love Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, "Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What is everlasting love? There's no end. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving." mercy of God. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When we know and understand and realize that God is real, but then also that God loves us in this way, it's what attracts us to Him. It's what draws us to Him. So may we always keep in our hearts and our Presence in this place, and we thank you for using Hosea to be a demonstration of your great love toward us. But now we also pray that you will use us to be a demonstration for your love, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace as well. Help us, God, to know and to understand how deep, how far love that you have for us, really, and help us to express it, demonstrate it, exemplify it each and every day, in each and every way, in each and every person you bring in and our lives. So as we prepare to leave this place, may we never leave the truth that we have learned here today. May it go before us and do what you plan and purpose it to do for our sake, for the good, all of God's people. Together. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.